was looking through some things, I came across this slide. I thought, well, this, this thing could have been titled this. Could have the next thing to be true. Could have been who's who in the Bible. <laughs> Do you know me? But the who's who in the Bible. Who are the people that we're studying? The people that maybe we don't know a lot about. I thought that was just kind of a good thing. So, tell me a little bit about background for Epaphroditus. And then I'm going to read the passage. But I want to give you the background so to help you understand the passage better. The wicked says this, Epaphroditus was a messenger to the church of Philippi, who ministered to Paul while he was in prison in Rome. Okay? Going on, it says this, and this is found in 418. The other mentions, mentioned twice, but that's it. That helps you again to understand a little bit about this. So Paul says, in this letter back to the Philippian church, he says this, I have received full payment, this is 418, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Now understand this, the Philippian church took a collection to support Paul, like we give to missionaries to help them with their support. Like we give to our Southern Baptist Convention to support our missionaries, our North American missionaries, our IMB missionaries. They took up an offering funds to be able to support Paul, and they sent those funds with Epaphroditus to Rome. And Paul writes back and says, thank you. Thank you so much for the gifts you collected, and they've taken care of the need that I had. Epaphroditus is the one that brought those to Paul in Rome. While in Rome, Epaphroditus is serving Paul and serving other brothers and sisters there. While in Rome, Epaphroditus gets sick. Not just a little sick, a lot sick. Nearly to the point of death. And we're going to read this in another day. Very, very ill. Then he recovers. God recovers him, helps him. And then he goes back to Philippi, and he takes this letter that we read, the letter of Philippians, he takes it back to the church for Paul. So that gives you just the sense of how Epaphroditus has been involved in Paul's life. And one commentator says this about Epaphroditus. He says he's one of the most attractively heroic characters in the book. That's a significant statement. One of the most attractively significant, important characters, heroic characters in the New Testament. Now as I was reading this passage and thinking through it in Philippians chapter 2, just picked out some phrases that stood out to me. And that's, that's why I don't cover everything and we don't know it anyway, but there's some things that stood out to me as the Lord was, I was looking at this, some things that stood out to me. And so here's what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. I'm going to start with the passage about Timothy Peter, because Timothy also is a humble hero. I read a sermon in the 80s on this passage. That's what I call it, humble hero. Timothy's proven word. I was a son with a father. He has served with me in the gospel. I 
help, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will play in. And I trust in the Lord, but I shortly I, I shortly I will tell. I found it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he hath been longing for you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice to see him again, and that I may be less anxious to receive him in the Lord. With all joy, it honors him. For he nearly died faithfully. This is his life, complete with lasting service. Isn't it amazing in this book, the book of Philippians, Paul's in prison and he writes this letter and to know that we have a relationship with him that we never by 
to Nicodemus in John 3, who said, you must be born again. You must have a second birth, a spiritual birth. That's the only way it comes. And Jesus isn't telling the truth that he's a liar and he's the biggest liar that's ever lived in his life. But he knows that's the way to the Father. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You come to the Father through me. You only come to the Father through me. Make sure that is true. Make sure that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your friend, and who you are. Brother and sister in Christ, I have a question for you. Who is your VIP brother and sister in Christ? And again, I'm not talking about your siblings. You know, that's big deal, right? But I'm not talking about that, that biological family. I'm talking about who is that brother and sister in Christ that is VIP for you? You need them. They says in verse 25 of Epaphroditus, he says, he's a fellow worker. And you know this dad we're talking about on Shippus, and we're talking about the Tychicus, all these people that were close to him. And I remind you this, every Christian, every Christian is a servant or a worker or a minister of the good news of Jesus Christ. Every one of us has this responsibility. We're all called to serve the Lord in the family of God. There's none of us an excuse from that. We're a part of a family. We need to do our part. Did my part in Juarez? I put in three names. Right? Well, I did paint on all the planes too, properly. I have specialties. All right. You have specialties. But as a part of the Juarez team, I had to do my part. We have to do our part as the family of God. We kind of put it this way in our mission statement: We want to live for Jesus. We want to love people. We want to make disciples. That's what we're to be about. And we do that as we encourage one another, help one another, work with one another. So I'd ask you this. Would the MBC family say you were a fellow worker? As we would gather together, would the MBC look at you and say, you know what? Man, you're on the team. You're a worker. You're a servant. You're serving the Lord here. You're making a difference in people's lives as you love them, as you care for them, as you make disciples, as you help these little kids to grow, as you help our teenagers to grow adults to gather together. Would the NBC family say of you, you're, you're a fellow worker, as Paul says of Epaphroditus. We've been talking about the next steps. What are the next steps that we're taking to be able to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because as I define a disciple, that's all a disciple is. It's a person who takes the next step with Jesus. Doesn't matter how little it is. Doesn't matter how big it is. You just take whatever God is saying to you and moving you and directing you, and you do that. So over 90 people yeah, I got a next step. God's showing me a next step. I want to encourage you that you've responded to that. How are you doing? Are you taking that next step? How's it going? We'd love to get a report back. If you haven't done that, take the card. Take that connection card. Let us know. What is it that God's speaking to you about this next step? I'd like to encourage you again. I know you haven't heard this today, but next Sunday is everybody in all in.
soldiers are not the Lone Ranger, right? We got some soldiers here in the service. We know important serving as a soldier. Soldiers have each other's back. How important that is to have each other's back. It's required. It's necessary. And honestly, even the Lone Ranger wasn't the Lone Ranger. Yeah, Tonto, right? He wasn't the Lone Ranger. He had somebody covering his back. Batman had somebody covering his back. Tom and Jerry. I can go on and on. Abbott and Costello. I go on and on and on, right? These duos that had each other's back, that worked together to make a difference in their world. Paul had Barnabas. Paul had Silas. Paul had Timothy. Paul had Epaphroditus. Paul had Archippus. Paul had Tychicus. All these men that were part of his team. And then that man named Jesus? Yeah, he was a Lone Ranger. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, Bill says, no, he wasn't a Lone Ranger. He had 12 disciples with him all the time. And a group of ladies who were supporting him and helping him out. Fellow soldier having each other's backs. Soldiers put on their battle gear and they go out and they help each other and they battle with each other. Christians, what do we do? Man, we put on the armor of God, our battle gear, and we go out into the spiritual battle and we protect one another, we care for one another, we're part of each other's lives and share together what God is doing. And we're, we're, we're teammates, we're comrades, we're foxhole buddies, we're warriors because we've got each other's backs because we're part of the family of God. Amen? Keep doing it like you're doing it. Let me ask you this question. Who are you soldiering with? And whose back you got? I don't know if that's correct grammar or not. Whose back you got? If you're not in close relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ, you probably don't have their back. But everybody, all of us, need to be so close to somebody. We got their Continue to pray for another volunteer. We gave three Bibles to kids, half 
take more next week. Mrs. Treviso's room is wonderful. Mrs. Treviso goes to church and teaches there. She goes to the Harvard. Lots of room, and it's all ready for us when we arrive. She's volunteered to help with the music. She can put it up on a big screen and amplify the sound so much better than my little CD player and the song version. God is good. Thank you so much for your support. Prayers will keep me posted each week if you like. I would like that. Thank you. I want to know what's going on. Rejoice with the saints. Going to restore them. Given the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right here in Earl Street, right? You don't have to go to Juarez to do it. You don't have to go to Denver to do it. It's right here. The opportunity to hear three ladies stand and tell Lord these who are going into school, loving on these kids and their families too. Make it useful. earlier, Pappas traveled to Rome to visit Paul and update about the brothers and sisters in Philippi. While in Rome, he gets this, as he serves Paul, he gets this debilitating illness, nearly dies. After he recovers from the illness, he goes back to Philippi and he takes this letter of joy to the church. His illness didn't set him back. Cause him to quit being a soldier of the cross. Could have. So this isn't worth it. And this is too hard. This is too difficult. No, they didn't do that. He kept going forward for Jesus. And I just kind of remind you of this, that illnesses, COVID, and church hurt can hinder people from returning to the family. We've seen it in our own church. When you come back, that's okay. I've known a number of people who have had church hurt. something 
died, I would have sorrow upon sorrow, not just a little bit. It would have been piled on each other and would have been so, it would have been so, so difficult. Again, we're not talking about a, a sibling or a spouse. I'm talking about very, very difficult. Honestly, that is not a casual thing. We're talking about a brother or sister in Christ. He says, it would have been so difficult on me if he had passed away, if he had died in the service for the Lord. all the time. I tell them, listen, if something bad happens, you'll get a 
call. But if something bad doesn't happen, even if we got there safely, we don't need to call you. But today, man, we got to make sure every three hours. I'm doing good, man. My pastor's really happy. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. How did, how did they, yeah, my phone goes off right now. <laughs> how did we ever make it? You think about this. The only way, the only way Paul would know that Epaphroditus got home is if they sent a letter from Philippi back to him in Rome. And how long is that going to take? A month. That's the only way he'd know. It just amazes me. But we know the relief that comes with somebody finding out. It's obvious that Paul puts it in Epaphroditus. He puts it in his hand. He says, you take this letter that we read right here, four chapters, 18 times talking about joy and rejoicing. You take this letter back to them and you let them know how it feels. You trust them. He's not eager to get rid of them, y'all. He's just eager to see them go home and take this letter. Who is in your life? Who, who would be say, I trust you enough to take what I've written and to deliver it in your own life. Oh, it's a different story. But think about those people. Who are those people that are that important to you? You trust them that much that they would take what's important to you and deliver it. That's the relationship Paul has with Receive him in the Lord when he comes, he says to the Philippians. Receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor him. I don't know if Epaphroditus like read the text before he got to Philippi to see something like that. You know, just kind of roll the scroll or whatever. Says, oh, look, they're supposed to welcome me when I get home. Hope they do that. I don't know. But the fact is, Paul says, this guy's trusted. This guy's real. He's a servant. He's a fellow worker. He's a brother. He's a fellow minister. He's got my back. Receive him and welcome him with honor when he gets there. What does it look like to honor someone, to say good things to highlight how they're going to help you to spend time with, to serve, give a hug, smile, call a brother and sister in Christ, work and serve with them, have their back, minister to their need, sorrow when they sorrow, trust them to deliver what's important to you, throw a party for, financially support, go to a game or event, attend next Sunday, all those things that say to somebody, hey, I honor you. I've received you. I honor you. I'm glad you're a part of my life. And that's what Paul wants them to know. So today, This questions all have kind of a little bit of a same thought going through them, but, but who is it that you need to receive and say you're important to me enough? I want to honor you. I want to do something for you. And lastly, he risked his life for the work of Christ. Paul says he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in their service to Paul. Representing the Philippian church as he goes, he almost gave his life. Now, although it was an illness, it wasn't like he was martyred for being Christ. The fact is, in the service of the Lord, he almost died. We don't know what it was. Maybe he just got worn out, got tired, had something. We don't know. But the fact is, in his service to Paul, he gets so sick, he almost died. He risked his life for the service of the Lord. I mentioned Peter and Stuffy Smith who risked their lives to tell it about the Savior. As they gathered together. These guys almost lost their life. They saw people they know lose their lives for the sake of one of the things that came out is how Paul Schiffman was speaking. He said this. He said, 
risk. What will it cost you if you don't take the risk? If God has given something to you that He needs you to do and it's got a little risk into it, what will it cost you if you don't? push me out of my comfort zone. But I don't take the 